0: Bless the Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord, for all things are new. We thank you, Father, that you're doing a a new work in us and a new work in the land and a new work in the church. Sometimes, Father, it's painful. But Father, we're the ones who confess that our hearts want to stay pure in you. We want to be open to what the real message is that you have for us. So Lord, lead us through this morning Help us, Father, to gleam what the real essence for Pentecost is for us in this hour and in this time, Lord. Let us be the ones who grasp it and know it, and let us be the ones who receive and put it to work in our hearts and in our lives. Let our hands be pure and holy in Christ. Let every word that is said glorify you and be in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you, and thank you so much for wonderful worship. You know that some of you might have just found out when you walked in, and others of you hopefully read it, that we've adjusted our schedule. It's one of those times of all things are new. And um, we're allowing ourselves to breathe and open up for a lot of new things. There's a shift that's been going on, and we experienced it, uh, coming into the first of the year, as we started to enter into the place of next, and in our prayer time Tuesday night, which we invite you to again at seven o'clock to zoom in, uh, we had some prophetic words about entering into a place and season of Shiloh, and Shiloh was the place where the tabernacle uh, was in in uh, in the desert in Israel for hundreds of years, and when the children of Israel were established in Shiloh. The Lord spoke to them and he said, from this place I'm going to expand and enlarge your sphere of what you're going to do. And it was from that place of Shiloh that they began to receive the revelation of their destiny and their inheritance. How many of you say that I'd like to have a a better glimpse and understanding of my destiny and my inheritance? How many of you know that you have a destiny and inheritance, amen? And uh, God is uncovering that in this hour and in this time. And I want to deal with that some, but first I want to just make a very brief statement as to what is gripping this nation. Nothing, it's always surprising, but it's nothing that we should not expect. Um, There is injustice. There is injustice in this land. And uh, some of us have had that cry for a long time and some head roads were made, but mostly with jail sentences. But there needs to be a re-education. The Lord spoke to me very clearly. I discussed this with Bishop Harry Jackson a few days ago. There needs to be a re-education that starts from the pulpit, not from the white house or the storehouse or the back house or from activists yes they all have words but it has to come from the pulpit and the pulpit has been neglectful the pulpit has been neglectful and so we need to understand that there's a complacency that settled in And there was a feeling that it was good enough that we went far enough, but we have it. And so rage and anger and things find their way when we have a a terrible, implorable murder of a black man in his youth. When I say youth, he was 46. He had a long way to live yet. And don't get clouded with messages that say, well, He had intoxicants in his blood and he had heart disease. I've already heard that. That doesn't matter. Which one of you has a perfect body and feels that that would subject you to being suffocated? That's a sad, sad, sad word. And so we grieve with the family of Mr. Floyd and we grieve with all of the families who have lost loved ones at the hands of murder and reckless actions that we can't explain, but let's not lose the message. Do we condone looting and plundering and burning? Absolutely not. But at the same time, are we going to allow that to steal the message? Are we going to allow that to steal the gravity of the hour? Or are we going to be those who say, okay, we don't have it right or do we wanna be those who point a finger and say someone else doesn't have it right? I choose to be in a group called we, and to repent as we. So we'll deal with that further, but I, I felt inclined to speak out, and we'll do some more publicly this week with a video presentation and some other stuff that I've been working on the last several days. At the same time, we have to be those who grab a moment for change. And to allow it to be something that becomes productive and not just destructive. And you may say we're just a little mouse that roared in the middle of nowhere in Ohio. But you know what? Mice can do a lot of destruction and they can do a lot of good stuff. So this mouse that roared is going to believe God that our voice will be heard. But we'll have something tangible to say and to point to. So let's pray for that and continue to pray for that, please. So Pentecost Sunday. Uh, Pentecost is the second of the three divinely mandated feasts. And it's one of the three times in the year when the people of Israel were required by God to come up to Jerusalem for a holy convocation, but also an encounter. Every male was supposed to make their way to the place of God. So I want to applaud those of you and welcome you who made your way to a place of God today. And uh, do any of us really believe there's gonna be a big difference next Sunday between this Sunday about going to church? Do we really buy that fallacy? What is that about? That's about people governing and controlling who probably don't even go to church, forgive me. And I think we had a big wake up call this week in our Supreme Court, because the church got complacent again. Two conservative appointments, we thought, wow, it's going to be time to get some of these unjust laws like Roe versus Wade and others changed, but I kept saying we're one short. And the church came up one short when the Chief Justice, who often does, waffled, and he said that the government has the right to restrict a church from meeting that's a very serious line to cross very serious line to cross so I'm grateful that we heard from the Lord four weeks ago this is our fourth week and he said it's enough open the church back up and we have and you're welcome to be here you're welcome wherever you're at there's no criticism but there's really not going to be a big difference when the governor of ohio decides with amy acton that next Sunday's okay to go to church i don't know what's changed i'm scratching my head trying to figure it out it doesn't really make sense to me i heard all about a curve and all kind of other stuff but all of a sudden that doesn't matter anymore does it and so here we are in the in the house of god to bring our first fruits is what he called us to do and interestingly enough in leviticus 23 God called this Shavuot, which by the way is a Hebrew word for weeks, and actually Shavuot is a week of weeks, it's seven weeks of weeks, 49 days, and on the 50th, from the 50th day from Pesach, Passover, is Pentecost, that's how this all came to be, Pente, cost. So it's the Feast of Weeks, and it always takes place exactly 50 days after the Shabbat of Passover now Passover was when the first fruits of the spring are celebrated and it's believing God with faith that something's going to come out of the ground that what we sow is going to bring fruit but this particular feast begins to celebrate what is already coming forth the first one was a statement of faith to produce and this one arrives as the spring crop of wheat and barley begins to come up out of the ground in Israel and he says, and you shall observe the feast of weeks of the firstfruits and of wheat harvest. So it's a first feast of thanksgiving, but it's to celebrate the faithfulness of God. We believe God, we sow, God gives. This is a good time to thank God for what you've sown. And you might say, Pastor, I haven't seen the green crops coming out of the ground yet. Well, maybe it's because our eyes need to open up. And to see the first fruits coming up out of the ground. And for those of us who are struggling in certain areas with relationships, with children, with parents, whatever it is, I challenge you to see the green coming up out of the ground of that relationship because you've sown into it. Don't quit sowing, don't quit watering, don't wear down, don't get weary. And so Pentecost is a time to revive. Pentecost is a time to say, okay, I'm thanking you, Lord, for your faithfulness, but I'm believing you, God, for the hope and expectation of what's coming next. And so the crops that came next were the olive and the wine and the figs. And we understand that the olive oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. So Pentecost, how appropriate that the Holy Spirit came On the feast that celebrates the coming of the olive oil and it prepared the blood for the wine that was coming and so according to this Jewish tradition we're told in Exodus 19 that God came down on the mountain to Moses and wrote on the tablets of stone the Ten Commandments also called the decalogue he wrote with his own finger on these tablets of stone. And Paul tells us about this in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 3, chapter 3, verse 3. And I want to read this a moment because now we're going to translate what happened there to the New Testament. And Paul said in an epistle of Christ, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart, And so there's a special writing that happened. There was a transfer. There was, if you will, a transformation from the beginning of the law coming down to Moses in that time from Mount Sinai. And then we have Jeremiah 31. So we start with the law with Moses, written to us in Leviticus and expounded to us in Exodus. And now we come to the prophets the law, the prophets, and then came John. And so Jeremiah writes in verse, chapter 31, verse 31, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in that day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke by the way though i was a husband to them says the lord but this is the covenant that i will make with the house of israel after those days says the lord i will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts and i will be their god and they shall be my people a progression a spiritual development and jesus told us about this in the gospel of luke chapter 16 verse 16 he said the law And the prophets were until John, and since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached, and everyone is pressing into it. So here we come up to this point, the law with Moses, the prophets with probably the most startling message of all out of Jeremiah about a new tablet being written in the heart. And Jesus said, up until John, we had the law and the prophets, but now there's something new. And this is being spoken by the creator, by Jesus himself. But he doesn't leave it at that. There's a handoff from the law to the prophets. And then finally, we see in Acts 2, it says that when the day of Pentecost had fully come, the spirit of God fell on the early church. And it was like a rushing, mighty wind and with tongues of fire on each one of the believers. How anointed was that worship dance with tongues of fire. I don't know about you, but we were melting and melting. And so now it becomes a personal, Spirit-empowered fire that pours out onto the individuals and the members. And we understand that it's through this that we receive the fullness of God. There is no way to be able to be bathed in the fullness of God without being baptized in the Holy Spirit now let's not get into do you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to be saved I'll give you the answer no but you cannot walk in the fullness of God without the power of the Holy Spirit you're stuck somewhere between Jesus and Acts 2 when it came out and a lot of people are stuck in a lot of places I've had to minister to many believers who were having a problem rationalizing the law with grace. And then afterwards, those who would want to deny the Holy Spirit but at the same time accept some other type of benefits from the Holy Spirit. Why not just receive it all, the fullness of God? How simple is it? By saying, Lord, I open up my heart to the power of the Holy Spirit. Come into me, just like we receive Jesus Christ. And so to celebrate and to come together on Pentecost without expecting the Holy Spirit to move and transform in our lives is coming just a step short, isn't it? It just becomes, you may as well celebrate Thanksgiving because that's what it becomes, just a Thanksgiving. And yes, we're thankful, but we need more. First and foremost, as members of the body of Christ, we are corporately and personally charged to build the kingdom of God. Is that not what we're supposed to do? We're not just supposed to be saved and just get the benefits, which is a wonderful thing of our Christian faith and understanding and all of the power and promises of the word of God. But Christ himself told us in Matthew chapter six, starting in verse 31, He said, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For all those things the Gentiles seek. Now, that word Gentile there is best uh, uh, interpreted as heathen, the heathen, the non-believers. This is what the non-believers seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all of these things shall be added unto you. So we have a mandate. To seek the kingdom of God, and then all of the rest is added unto us by the promises and Holy Spirit of God. And so we understand that we have this relevance to do something. And Jesus goes a little farther and he tells us that he's got all authority in heaven and earth. And then he tells us the Great Commission Go ye therefore to all the nations, preaching this gospel and teaching them and baptizing them to observe the things. That i have commanded you you see there's such an intricate connection between the law and the prophets and the new testament and jesus and pentecost some of you may be aware of this and some may not but after moses had come down from the mountain and he'd received the ten commandments what did he find he found that the people in that period of time that short period of time they had supernaturally received a golden calf. Supernatural doesn't mean it's always of God, does it? And they didn't have the craftsmen. They didn't have the ability. They said, well, we threw the gold in the fire and out came this calf. Just because people are telling you stuff is supernatural, please don't throw it in the fire. Because what comes out, you may not like. Or it may not be good for you. And we're in that season in that time when people are trying to redefine God. And we know that for the last 15 years, especially the last 10, supernatural has been the word. Well, I'm all good for that, only to the point that it takes away from the name of our Lord himself. And now there's other names that people are beginning to try to apply to a move of God or to God himself and 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 one is so disheartening to me. It's mystic. God is not mystic. You can call upon mystic and you'll get mystic and you may get the golden calf out of the fire, but what happened with that? Moses got angry. He destroyed the tablets. He threw them down in his flesh and his anger. Tablets written by the Holy Spirit of God. And God got angry. And isn't it interesting that 3,000 3,000 of those renegades that were down there at the bottom of the mountain, 3,000 souls perished that day. 3,000 souls perished at the anger of the Lord that day. But here's the good news. On the day of Pentecost, 3,000 souls found eternal life. God remembered. And he said, here's the difference now. There's no such difference Uh, coincidence in the number of 3,000 and 3,000 it's not so much that we notch the belts to see how many people get saved it shows us the character of God and how important Pentecost is to him and so we had this epic transition take place from the law to the prophets to John to Jesus and then the Holy Spirit jesus told us in john 16 i must go away as i said to you because i'm going to send you a comforter and he's going to tell you the truth and he says it's better for you that i go away and send him than i try to stay here myself so we look into the person of the holy spirit and we see that in that person of the holy spirit that he is not only able but it is his function to wondrously spread the power of god amongst all the members Now, could Jesus do it with a spoken word? He could do whatever he wants with a spoken word. But God has a pattern, and the pattern is the Father. And Jesus said, I don't speak to you the things of my own words, but I say to you what the Father has said to me. And then he tells us with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you the things that I say to him. So there's an exchange of words. So many people are looking for a word from jesus and we've all had a few i think and from the father but the holy spirit is the communicator to us at all times and he's with us and he never forsakes us and he never leaves us and some of us refer to that as our conscience and some of it referred to as an inner voice coming from the inner being and however you're hearing the voice of the holy spirit don't shut it off and if you're not sure you are then there's one way that you become familiar with the voice of the holy spirit and what do you think that is you spend time with him right now i don't know about you um, but i could be a long distance away and when i hear frank i know whose voice that is i either conveniently say i can't hear you or i run the other direction and hide we become familiar with voices don't we how about animals they come familiar with just the inflections of our voices come here Oh, it's time to go out (laughs) they get all excited or how about you say cookie cookie (laughs) cookie we develop those tones and 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 those relationships and we need to do that with the holy spirit and you do that in worship You get the little goosebumps and stuff starting to happen. It's the Holy Spirit moving inside of us. And we do it with the Word of God. We do it with prayer. And we do it in praying in the Spirit. So do you need to be able to pray in the Spirit? No. Is it better? Yes. And I tell you, it builds you up. Just like the Apostle said, build yourself up in the most highly faith. Praying in the Spirit. And you'll find out. And some of you have let me know recently that you've taken this time out to pray in the Spirit and you found out that your life is becoming fuller and more powerful and things are falling in place and stuff is happening because you're taking time to pray in the Spirit. To me, that's the greatest amenity that I have cutting grass. It's just the drone of the mower and me praying in the Spirit. And I find myself straying off and Just daydreaming, all of a sudden I push myself back in and I begin to pray in the Spirit. And in that period of time, I I come off of there energized in the Holy Ghost. Many times the things that the Lord speaks to me for the body of Christ, for the church, I receive in those kind of moments. And if we make a practice of moving ourselves to not only seek the Holy Spirit, but to hear Him. And to respond to that voice you will find that you will stay out of more trouble mmm let's just get practical here I don't know about you but I have that uh, at times I could just step in doo-doo right and it doesn't shake very well does it you have to really be prepared to hear from God and aren't we living in some very difficult times right now aren't we really i mean think about the one-two punch and there's probably a third one coming that that the world has taken and this nation is taken a pandemic a shutting down of everything people running out of money fear isolation just trying to take everything away from us and when that wasn't enough, people just started to go out, and now we see inner cities and cities on fire and people afraid. And we can come up with all kinds of explanations about it, but the bottom line is we're in some very difficult times. We need to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, and we need to lead first our own lives and then as the body of Christ. Because if we fail to, we will be lost in the chaos and the darkness and the confusion like many others are. It's so sad to ride down the street and I, I see a, 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 an older woman in a car by herself with a mask all over her face. I'm like, wow. I don't know about you, but... I try, but they don't work too good with me. I, I think maybe my CO2 is, is too strong or something. I get a little woozy. I keep breathing my own stuff, and it did help me to improve my breath. I was starting to smell my own breath a lot, so I, <laughs> that was one of the advantages. Now I gargle with more Listerine. Yeah. <laughs> In dark times, we need more of the Holy Spirit. And I have good news for you. I dealt with this, with the spirit of delusion last week. And didn't I caution? Didn't I caution? I said, wow. Wow, how soon that the spirit of lawlessness was released in the earth and it was going to begin to show itself worse and worse and worse. Lawlessness. And it's not just from what we're seeing in the cities. We had lawlessness in the Supreme Court by the Chief Justice Roberts, and I don't care if he reads this. I hope he does. Sir, I respect you, but I very, very, very much am disappointed that you would dare to say that some governor can tell a church whether it can have church or not. Wow. That's our First Amendment. I mean, that's that was one of the reasons that this country rebelled against the rule cruelty that was against us. One of the reasons why so many have shed blood and fought was to protect this right, and we have a vote five four that says some governor in California, who we don't even know worships anywhere, has the right to shut churches down. Wow. Do you realize what just happened in this country? And then all lawlessness broke out. Do you think maybe they're tied together a little bit? Do you know what happened when we told the Lord we didn't need them in the schools to pray anymore? They became a feeding ground of lawlessness. You know what happened when we told the Lord that an unborn child doesn't have the right to life? Sixty-some million children later, infanticide now we're telling the lord as a country that somebody can tell us we can't meet as a church beloved it's time for civil disobedience in the church we are not going to be stopped meeting in this church anymore no more because whether It's a conspiracy of man or not. It's certainly a conspiracy of Diablo. There's no doubt. Just watch it. Connect the dots. Shut the churches down. Legislate it and get the Supreme Court to bless it. Oh my God. And so, Pentecost... The work of the Holy Spirit. He's going to leave. He's going to send us one who's going to bless us and help us. And here's the good news I have for us. The spirit of glory is at work perfecting each and every one of us. And here's the process that we're in. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. One of my favorite scriptures. But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory Just as by the Spirit of the Lord, transforming us from glory to glory, never satisfied where we're at, never giving up on us. You know what that tells me? That if I had a bad day and I misstepped, and somehow I tarnished the glory that I was in, God says, Don't worry, I'm transforming you from a glory to another glory. If I didn't have enough for today, I'm going to have more for tomorrow because God is transforming me from glory to glory. If you didn't quite get it right, you're going to get it better because God is transforming you from glory to glory. This is the process of the Holy Spirit working in us. And He's the Spirit of glory. The same Spirit of the Father that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is raising us up and quickening us all the time. That's the power of Pentecost. That's the activation of Pentecost. So I'm not going to get into all of these points because we're doing something new. One person said it to me. They said, well, we want to show that we can get out of church and beat all of the Baptists to the restaurants. I said, well, we may as well throw the Lutherans and Episcopalians and a few others in there too. (laughs) I don't mean to be offensive but I do like to get to the restaurants, I have to admit that. But, but, seven blessings in Exodus 23. Seven blessings. Read it yourself. I'm just gonna tell you what they are. You can find them. First of all, it says that an angel will be assigned to protect and lead you to your place. Well, without getting into proving it to you, I can another time that angel is Jesus Christ and it's called a theophany and it's many times when Christ would show himself before he was incarnate and just like the burning bush and it said God spoke from that and here in Exodus the angel which is Jesus Christ it says obey what he says to you and if you do then all these things are gonna happen for you the Lord's gonna prosper you this one I like God will be an enemy to your enemies I'm the only one who likes that one, right? Yeah, okay. God will be an enemy to your enemies. That means you can, hey, keep your hands clean. Just bless them. Love them. Forgive them. Because God's going to do it the right way. God will take away sickness from you. That's what he promises. How many of you say, Pastor, right now, I need a blessing. I've got some sickness. I need need a miracle. Put your hand up right now. Put your hand up right now. I want to pray for you. Keep it up. Father, we're holding you at your word here in Pentecost, washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm asking you now, Father, to keep your word. We're here. We've kept Pentecost. We've honored Jesus Christ. Now in your name, in your name, take sickness away. Take it away, Lord. Take it away, Lord. We give you all the glory. I'm feeling the power of God. Begin to thank him Just thank Him in your life right now. Thank Him for sickness going away right now. In Jesus' name. If you're watching me online, you do the same thing. Chuck, you do the same thing. Thank you. Somebody called in and asked me to pray for them by name. Take it away. In Jesus' name. Pat, the Lord bless you and keep you. You're going to be just fine. I thank you, Lord, for not only a good surgery, but I'm praying you still don't even need that surgery. In Jesus' name thank you, Lord. He promises there that you will not die before your appointed time. What does that tell us? That you could die. People do die before their time is fulfilled. Another time for another teaching. So not everybody's time is perfect according to the plan of God. Some people go before their time. And typically it's because of disobedience and because of things that we do to ourselves and to our bodies that God didn't intend. But he says you will not die before your appointed time. He says he will give you an increase and that your inheritance will be yours. You will find it. And then finally this one, what the enemy has stolen from you, you're going to get it back. Those are the promises of Pentecost that are fulfilled. And take this solace. Jesus Christ said this, he said I haven't come to destroy the law I've come to fulfill it that's the law that's the law do you receive it did Jesus fulfill it for you or you're going to say well I only begin in the first page of Matthew everything before that has been displaced well then you're losing some of your inheritance aren't you because it's fulfilled in Christ those are the promises that he gives us so We come to this conclusion. Shavuot is a celebration that's at the beginning of the harvest season. In your lives, this is the time to expect to harvest many things that you've planted and sown. This is the time for creative abilities to jump out at you. This is the time to begin to believe God to work half as hard for twice as much so that you can do more for him amen Amen. that sounds good doesn't it why don't you say it i want to work half as much for twice as more in christ say it again i want to work half as much for twice as more in christ Ooh, that feels good doesn't it say it by yourselves without me leading you now i How about you say that prayer tonight and tomorrow? How many of you pray for your own body at night or in the morning? And how do you pray for your own body? Lord, just keep me. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord. And Lord, bless my body. Do you know that there are times that I do spiritual surgery in my body? Lord, pancreas. Bless that pancreas. Make it healthy. Father, ear. Bless that ear. Lord, let that ear restore. Let it be good. Thank you for my eyesight. Lord, fix that eyesight. That toe, that thing that popped up on my toe, it's got to go. How many of you just wake up and something popped up? You're all just, not me. Oh, yes, you too. You too. Pray for yourself specifically in the Lord. This is your season of harvest. We've arrived at the place of next. We've asked the Lord to show us what he will have for us. We understand that it's a time of harvest. It's a time of provision. It's a time of blessing. But we must continue to sow with an expectation. Amen.